Welcome to another episode of the Luke Humphrey Running Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Humphrey, and our mission is to help you maximize your training through a blend of science and practicability. So let's get going. Hey, welcome back. This is Luke Humphrey with the Luke Humphrey Running Podcast. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about self-confidence, and I'm going to share some of my experiences, but uh, um, we're going to talk about sources of self-confidence and some things that we can do. So let me take you back on to uh, memory lane here. It was 2008, and I was standing on the starting line of the New York City Marathon. I had just completed the best training segment of my entire life. So just to kind of put this as an example, I, I had run my biggest mileage. Uh, I think I, I think this was one of the segments where I hit into the 140s for a week for a couple, three weeks. Uh, I ran our simulator workout, which was 26K. Uh, I ran it on the dirt roads in northern Oakland County, which is pretty hilly. We wanted to simulate New York City Marathon. I ran 502 pace, and so I was ready to roll. And then after that, I actually did the 2x6 workout, and the uh, I did a 10 mile tempo. We don't have, we don't necessarily do 10 mile tempo straight up a lot. Um, we put a lot of it into the simulator, but I did a 10 mile tempo and ran 49.36. And this was this was in the middle of you know 130 140 mile weeks. So that was pretty impressive. 10 miles at uh, you know 457 ish pace you know uh that was pretty darn solid but in any case there i was starting line new york city marathon best training of my life and i was petrified staring at the world's best best runners and i'm talking like you know the first mile you're going up to veranzano uh straits bridge and i was neck i was right beside uh paul turgat who you know he was a previous world record holder you know, there was Olympic medalists in there, world record, former world record holders, past marathon champions, all that. Needless to say, I was kind of shell-shocked. Uh, I, was, I was not ready for that environment. And this one thing to go to, like, Boston and New York or uh, Chicago, they have their, their, their big deals for their, for their own reason. But honestly, when you talk about New York City Marathon, it's, it's always – not just a couple people that are really good. It's a lot of people that are really, really good runners. And so it was definitely, and that, and that is definitely more, you know, when I back, back when I ran it, that was more, uh, the only really the race that was televised live, right? You know, Boston, I think a little bit, but, uh, New York was the big deal, right? That was the one that was on major, network television and so that was just a, a whole new experience for me i was definitely taken back a little bit from that but endless needless to say i definitely underperformed i mean i did finish 11th but i was capable of so much so much more on that day and i was just very i underperformed pretty badly and i left pretty disappointed fast forward from there to 2011 i'm on the starting line of the rock and roll marathon in san diego and in this instance, nothing in my training block stood out. I mean, it was just a regular training block, right? Things went right. Things went wrong. Nothing really stood out either way. Uh, but I'm standing there on the line, and I was ready to accept whatever happened. I was comfortable with myself. I was calm. I was relaxed. 
I was ready to race. I wasn't overly, I was a little nervous, but I wasn't just shaking in my boots, you know, and needless to say, that day I ran a new PR, 214.38. So the difference, I mean, it certainly wasn't my training. Uh, it was the same training, you know, done for years. And the, to me, the difference was really self-confidence. And, and that's a major bummer, right? Because the fitness was there, but I couldn't control my own I couldn't get out of my own way mentally and and that stinks right because you put in all that work and to have it come down to like simple beliefs of that i don't belong here or you know just that you talk yourself out of things any you know all sorts of things going on and that's that's a big disappointment but so today i want to explore that idea of self-confidence a little bit more and how you can make sure that yours isn't going to be a factor in your next performance so first of all what is self-confidence it's it's simply the belief in oneself to successfully perform a desired behaviors. And from that, there are two types of self-confidence. You have trait confidence, and you also have state confidence. And so trait confidence is the notion that self-confidence can be seen as something that is more stable and part of one's personality. So an example of this might be, regardless of the weather, a runner is confident that they will stick to a training plan. So if you're like me and you have pretty nasty winters um, and you wake up and there's a bunch of snow, uh, it'd be easy to talk yourself out of that. But if you have the trait confidence of, of a higher self-confidence, you're going to be able to, you know that regardless of if it's snowing or raining or whatever, you're going to get the workout for that, for that day in. It's not going to be an issue. And for me personally, I feel like this is how I am, at least when it comes to, to training. But obviously it might not be true when it comes to races, right? And so the second thing here is state confidence is a feeling of confidence that is felt at a particular point in time, but it relies on the current state of mind of an individual and may only be demonstrated momentarily. An example of this might be when a runner is very confident until it becomes a stressful situation, and then that person loses their confidence. And that was definitely me on the starting line. It got to be a very high stress situation, and I lost all sense of self-confidence. All right, so that's the two types you you can have, and I I think I feel like those can intertwine a little bit. Overall, you're going to have a natural level of, of self confidence that's high or low, but also I think you can get to a point where that can depend on your mind your mindset too. Like you know, right now in this time of a pandemic, uh, it can you can get down because there's nothing really to have a benchmark on, right? And so. Um, if you do get into a race and you know you haven't trained very well, it's going to be easy to lose uh, your self-confidence. But in any case, from there, we're talking about the four sources of confidence. And so the first one is mastery. And this is by far the most dependent. Is, uh, if we continually see defeat, we tend to have a lower self-confidence, right? So it's not a lot of fun seeing a race fall apart over and over and over again, right? And so how we combat that is we want to build successful experiences to experience some sense of success. There are, they're even more important with, for those who have a low self-confidence in general, you know, a lot of times stemming from negative life experiences. Um, you know, and this, for me a little bit, this was a little bit of the case because, yeah, I had parents that were supportive to an extent, right? Like they were supportive because it helped pay for college, Right. Uh, but honestly, I don't believe, I don't believe my parents have ever seen me run a race outside of college. 
they never went to an Olympic trials. They never went to a major marathon. Nothing. And part of that, I think, is just them that they don't like to travel. Uh, but some of that it can't help but take in as a person thinking like they don't really support you, right? And so some of those experiences were definitely negative. And, and that does, I look, is, is where I'm at in my life now. And I look back, uh, you know, back into those. I feel like that was some pretty big missed opportunities for um, a parent to bond with their child and, and vice versa. But anyway, yeah, I didn't want to go down psychology. Lesson, but, you know, but the point is that if you have neg- negative self-experiences and in this case, like you feel like what you're doing might not necessarily be important to other people, it's hard to be, it's hard to stay positive, right? And so what we want to do, like if, as a coach or even as a runner on your own, you want to make sure that you're able to have at least small victories that you can snack, stack on top of each other and gradually build your confidence, right? So um, in terms of running, so let's say you're running your first marathon. If you really, you really aren't great at long tempos and you do longer and longer tempos you, and you continue to struggle with that, you fall apart, right? So that's not really teaching us mastery, right? We're just teaching ourselves to have a negative experience over and over and over again, right? And so if you keep failing at those long tempos, how is that going to transfer over into performance, right? It's going to already be in your head that you can't do it. And so what I'll do as a coach sometimes, and I do this for for myself and for athletes that I coach, is I, I might take a look at that and say, okay, well, we continually struggle with these. What? How can we get over this hump? And so maybe we just break those workouts up. So say you had a six-mile tempo. Well, you can't do six miles straight straight up. But let's say we could do three by two mile with a short jog in between, and that all of a sudden is a successful workout. We're able to do that. So it's a small victory, but we can work with that, and we can then add on longer and longer intervals to the point where you're running the longer tempos all of a sudden. you know. And so by the time you get to like a nine or 10 mile tempo, and you're able to tolerate that, that's going to be a much more positive experience, and you're going to learn that mastery of being able to handle that tougher and tougher workout, right? And so ideally over time, you get it in your head that, okay, I can, I can do this, right? And I, I can be I can be successful at these, and that all, that'll transfer over into a race situation. The second thing is modeling. And there is, this is where a good coach and community can be a big help. Uh, those with less experience are likely to have less confidence in themselves, right? Because they just haven't done it. So they don't, you know, if you've never done something, it's hard to feel confident that it's going to go well, right? Um, In this case, let's use the first time Boston Marathon qualifier. They have heard all the stories about the course and the crowds and are panicked a little bit. So as a coach, or if you have a group, a local group or whatever that has run Boston, they can help you by modeling, showing you how to model your training after the course, right? So we need to know, we need to get hills in, but we also need to make sure we're getting a lot of downhills in, right? So there's there's things you can do in your training and model afterwards. And so like as a personal trainer, if you've never done a deadlift before, you can't be very confident that you'll do that deadlift with the right form. But if you have a personal trainer there or some sort of way that they can show you how to do that, that's modeling it right. So you'll gain confidence through being shown how to do it the proper way. And that's a that's a great thing to have, right? Because a lot of times a lot of times we're just guessing, right? And so if you can have a somebody there with some expertise to show you how it's done, it's gonna help you out and it's gonna show you that you can do it. 
and then you can and you can do it the right proper way. All right, so another example, is, and this is something very common in our community. People have my book, but it doesn't look like a, co a common training plan. Like you know, you hear the stories, oh, the 16 mile long runs the longest you go, you know, yada yada yada, whatever. Uh, so they post in their fears in our community, looking for advice. Like, is this really going to work? I just don't feel confident. You know, and thankfully for me, there's dozens, if not hundreds, of runners in that community that will chime in. And so I can tell you, since I wrote the book, I can tell you all the, whatever. You know, I can say, oh yeah, it works, no problem. Well, why am I telling? I'm telling you that maybe, maybe I'm trying to sell you a book, whatever. But it's hard for you to believe me, right? But if you've got people who've gone through it themselves, they say, hey, you know, I followed the plan through the book, and it worked great. You know, and to have that modeling over and over and over again from different people, it can it can convince you to so to say that you're going to be you're going to be able to be successful. The runner can model their training based on others experience of the same situation and that's a that's a big thing to have. Going along with that a little bit is social support and this is also where we see a lot in our community. A person posts a workout in our group and hopes to get a bunch of likes and encouragement. And honestly this can help for sure. But the thing is, you really have to be sincere about the encouragement or people will sniff out the bullstein, right? People are, a lot of people have pretty good BS meters, right? And so if you're just telling them, oh, good job to get likes or, you know, whatever, are you really doing a service to that people? So that's the only thing I would say is really be careful with that. Um, I try to be honest. Some people don't like my honesty, <laughs> but I feel like it's better to tell you what you need to hear than what you want to hear sometimes. And sometimes you do want to just butter people up, right? Because if they're really uh, that negative on something, they need to have uh, some sort of pick me up. And and so you kind of you've got to find a way to do that with teaching them, but also encouraging them at the same time, right? So. So in this case, you know, sometimes it helps when I post in there, sometimes not. Some people come off, they, they, they come off from it a little different than others. But uh, having an actual coach and a, an accountability partner or anyone with strong persuasive influence in a person's life is, is important. This is, what, this is where that, that social support comes in the most. Um, it's also important for significant others, close friends, and family members to be providing social support because their credibility in the person's life is more influential in helping the person become a better athlete. And you see this, I see this a lot with people I coach uh, on an individual matter, right? Uh, what I'll see is, uh, say, a husband running or a wife. It doesn't even, I, I see it in both, both directions, actually. So you'll see a person and they really have this big goal, but yet, they're kind of shamed a little bit because they're taking a lot of time for themselves in training um, and their significant other isn't necessarily the most supportive. And so it weighs down on them, right? And then they feel like, well, maybe I am being too selfish. Uh, maybe, I should, maybe I shouldn't think about this as much as I want to. And so it's tough, right? So it's, it, it helps having that support from the people closest to you in your life. Like, Again, like if I coach you individually, chances are you, you'll, you'll probably listen. Some people don't, but you'll listen. You'll probably listen to me. But in say our Facebook group, I'm just another person in the Facebook group. So I'm sure my weight carries a little more than others. But a lot of times, people want to hear from the people who've done it themselves, and and so, or they hear it from. There's some people who are in local training groups locally but they're also in my group too and you'll see like 
what that person says tends to be carry more weight than maybe what I say. Um, and so it, that's, and that's fine because a lot of times we're on the same page anyway. So it doesn't matter to me who's telling you that piece of advice. It's a matter of who are you going to, li- if you're going to listen to that piece of advice. So it personally, it doesn't matter to me if you listen to it for me or, you know, somebody close to you. But in any case, uh, that's, that's just what I would be take in, you know, keep the person close. And also I just be careful. If you are a person that's just offering encouragement, make sure that that encouragement is sincere. Uh, and don't, if you have to tell them the truth, tell them the truth. And maybe you have to just ease into that a little bit, depending on, depending on the person, but that's all part of learning and having the relationship with the person. All right. So moving on from there, the last one is uh, physical and mental prep. And this, this we know nothing beats hard putting in the work, right? So part of this goes into having goals that require you to focus. Uh, and so, so like what I mean kind of is like if you have a goal of running a 5K, just running a vet, you just want to finish, right? That's a good goal, but it allows you to be pretty lax in the structure, right? So like you don't necessarily have to have a training plan for that. If you get out and run a few times a week, then you'll be able to accomplish that goal. You know, you work, if you exercise five days a week doing something, you can probably run a 5k, right? And then there's nothing wrong with that. It just doesn't require a lot of planning on your part. Now, if your goal is to break three hours in a marathon, then that's going to require a lot more work and a lot more planning. And if you do, if you did that work, you'll have a lot more confidence standing on the starting line uh, than you will uh, then if you project that you've done the work and I, I trust me, I've been there too. I, I was like, yeah, I'm in shape and I'm not now. Nah, I wasn't, I convinced myself I was in shape, but nah, I was not in shape. Um, and that's part of the, you know, you, you have to do that work. And so a lot of times we'll convince ourselves like, Oh, I can get by because I've done that work before. I've, I've got the residual fitness or whatever the case is, but the reality is, and I actually struggled with this, um, kind of, you know, kind of recently where I was like, ah, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm post kind of that point of really being competitive and I'm just kind of getting into the, I'm going to be kind of easing into the master's program, but, or the, you know, the master's level and you find out like, okay, yeah, you, you, you can be pretty fit running the mileage you're running, but you're not as fit as you were when you were 30 years old, you know, and doing you know, 30% more, right? Like that's not how it works. As you get older and you do less work, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you're going to be more fit, right? So uh, that was, uh, so you have to do the work and in doing that work builds your confidence along the way. And, and the other part of that mentally, there, there are strategies too, like imagery, positive self-talk, things of that nature. And those are all important but in my opinion, it's all cemented together with doing the work on a consistent basis. Grinding out a hard workout builds your mental capacity to wrap your thoughts around a difficult time. Because we, we all know, we, we're, if we're in a marathon type of race, there's going to be difficult times. And if we've just always backed off when on a workout, when it got hard, chances are you're going to do the same thing when it comes to the race day, right? And if you can come to the other side of that, intact if you can come to the other side of that rough patch intact then you're in a much better position to convince yourself that you can do it again during a competition right and so it's a balancing act and uh, individual circumstance uh, issue as well so we don't want to defeat the person who needs workout victories but we want to make sure that 
those hard workouts that are gut checks, they get done too. Maybe not every single week, but if we've got to make sure we're getting enough of those in to mentally prepare that person that, okay, this is going to be hard, but I know I'll survive it, right? And so if you do that, you, you can have that confidence. I can come out the other side of this and I can, I can reach my goal even though I know it's going to get, I'm going to have parts where it's going to be really tough. Uh, and in the end, it comes down to how well you can build a person up to a point where they can handle that gut check without having it turn into a confidence nosedive. Okay, so overall, I hope when you're reading this, I, I hope the big takeaway is that uh, you really can't do it alone. Like people, having people you trust is going to be crucial. Surrounding yourself with people who support is in, invaluable and having a team to prepare you physically while having friends and family being there to support you can go a long way in a, in a re- otherwise individual sport. And luckily, that's the one thing that the running community provides f- for, the, for the most part, for sure. We can, we can find those people in a Facebook group in a community run club. I know right now it's tough to have those group runs, but as things come back to normal, you know, being engaged in local community running teams and running clubs, those are those are those are very good experiences just from a, even just developing a relationship standpoint, but having people who've maybe are a little ahead of you in their journey uh, that can provide like that modeling or that social support for you and then having, you know, not necessarily a coach if you're say, but having a book, having a plan that you believe in that you can have to build those mastery experiences. So all those things get intertwined with having other people involved in in your training. All right, so if you're if you're lacking in the self department, self-confidence department, how do you proceed? And we just talked about this a little bit, but the first thing I would do is make sure that your what you are doing makes sense. So I I realize that I am a coach and I and I'm not saying this to uh, propel you to go out, hire me or hire somebody. You know, I think a great way to start getting good advice is and be part of a community at the same time is getting involved locally, like with your running shops, like, you know, Hanson's running shops. They have, normally they have group runs Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, you can find people to run with all the time. And you have those people who are you are really our experts working in the stores who would be more than happy to help you. The second thing I do is research philosophies that are out here. So, you know, whether it's Hanson's Marathon Method or Pete Fitzinger or Jack Daniels or, you know, Canova, whatever, whatever the case is, you know, there's lots of stuff out there. Lidyard, you know, what truth is, let me, let me fill you in on something. There's not a lot of original things out there. A lot of things are pieces from here and there that have been grouped together to make a philosophy. But, you find out what works for you and, and even look at things that work for you. I know a book's not that expensive to buy. You know, a lot of those people I mentioned have books out um, and, and find out what makes the most sense to you. Talk to people, find out what they do. What are they similar to you in their ability? What, what, what have they done to help them pro- progress? Uh, and then the people with real, you know, and you also have that with our group. We have our online community. And I know these can be tricky, but a good group will police itself from the jokers. I I really don't have to do much policing in my group anymore because so many people uh, are in there that know the philosophy and they don't want it to turn into something other than what it is now. And so they've done a really good job of helping me jump on the the things that like are 
not not appropriate, right? And so, you know, the the people with real insight will emerge in those types of groups. There's there's several people in my groups that will basically say verbatim what I would say anyway, right? And and I don't have to, you know, I don't have to police those people very much, right? And so it's nice having those those folks in there because you do get a lot of good advice from people who have experienced the, the program and they've listened to me over the years and they've picked up what I've said over the years. And so they can now relay that to people. And they, that actually carries a lot of weight with newbies in the group who are just seeking out help for the first time. All right. Uh, the bottom line, surround yourself with people you trust and who will give the answers you need to hear but not necessarily want to hear. Seek out help from people who have been where you want to be. And then lastly, I think recognizing that a good or poor performance doesn't define you. This is big. This is one I struggled with a long time. A, a, A good performance doesn't define you. A bad performance doesn't define you. How you carry yourself through both of those situations, that's what's going to define you. And letting go of that that was like the world being lifted off my shoulders when I finally, finally came to that, that realization and it released the power for your untapped, for your untapped potential. It opened up so much more possibility for me because I just, I wasn't my own worst enemy and, and that was a huge, so I would say that, I'm going to say that again, recognizing a good performance isn't defining you, a poor performance doesn't define you, but how you carry yourself through both of those situations, that's what's going to define you. All right, so... That's self-confidence and in a nutshell, <laughs> obviously there's a lot of directions we can go to, but I think looking at those four sources is key. See where you struggle with, uh, maybe take the advice that I, I provided, how to move forward with that. And uh, the thing is like, you don't want to do the training and then have your mental blocks be what your downfall is. We can we can work past that too. And that's all part of part of training too. So All right, guys, I will talk to you later. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. All right, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Luke Humphrey Running Podcast with your host, Luke Humphrey. If you like our show and want to learn more, please visit us at www.lukehumphreyrunning.com for blogs, podcasts, coaching, and training options. See you next time.